Natural talent alone is nothing unless it's under the control of the Holy Spirit. And that's the warning Dr. J. Vernon McGee gives us today on Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, and we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, studying gifts that God gives to believers, best known as spiritual gifts. But before we dive in, Greg and I have got some great letters that we want to share from the Bible bus. And Steve, we are so, so grateful for our global Through the Bible listening family that they they tell us what yeah. God's doing in their lives. And we don't take this for granted. When we just we love the enthusiasm that people have for the Word of God, their faithfulness in prayer, their generosity of spirit towards each other, um, and and really how different we are, but at the same time, we're united by our love for the Lord. Yeah. So we've got some great letters today. Let's enjoy them. Yeah, this first one's from Kyle from Michigan. I just wanted to thank you for everything you do. I love your program, which feeds me every day, and I especially love being a member of the World Prayer Team. Way to go, Kyle. Way to go, Kyle. Which reminds me of how truly blessed I am. I've been out of work for the last six months, and today God blessed me with an amazing offer. The second thing that I did after telling my wife about the offer was to sign up for a monthly gas contribution to the Bible (laughs) bus. Awesome. You have been blessing me for more than 10 plus years, and I know that you're making a huge impact for God's kingdom around the world. Fantastic. Now, from Michigan, let's go down to Texas, where Ken writes, I've been a faithful listener for 30 years plus. A few months ago, I was going to call and ask how I would be able to get the program information on a business-sized card. Good idea, Ken. Yeah, to make it easy to tell others, and they would have something to put in their pocket. And then the Bible Bus Pass shows up with the monthly newsletter. Praise God. Since receiving the first few, I have requested additional passes. I tell my friends how long I've been listening, why I listen, and encourage them to do the same, and I give them a pass. People who have received the cards are our surgeon, butcher, dry cleaner, parking ministry associates at our church, co-workers, my son's college friends, etc. I still send Christmas cards and plan on putting a Bible bus pass in each Christmas card I send this year. Please pray that each recipient will follow up and listen to Through the Bible. And Ken, we will yeah. pray for that, and we pray that you will continue to hand out those Bible bus passes and that many people will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. We got a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's go to Darlene in North Carolina. I listen as I drive to work each day. I've been riding on the Bible bus since 2019. At that point, I didn't think it was possible for me to change. I had become a Christian as a child, but my life decisions had kept me in a defeated Christian walk. Listening to his word being taught has helped me to learn trust and surrender and has been life-changing for me. I was so thankful this morning just for Dr. McGee's voice and that the program has continued years past his death. I am so blessed and thankful for his teachings because it focuses me on Jesus and the power of his word. Then I come into work and get busy. My mind goes to work things and life in general until I read my World Prayer Team email. And again, my focus is brought back to what is really important, my brothers and sisters in Christ and how they are encouraging me through their letters to walk each day with Jesus, to pray for them and for my co-workers, family and children. Thank you so much for your faithfulness to keep driving the Bible bus and include us in the journey. Oh, my goodness. Well, Darlene, it is our privilege and we we are humbled and honored that we get to play a small part in offering this great teaching to you. And I love the letter from Ken and his passion to share 
the ministry through the Bible. You know, through the Bible as a ministry could not be what it is if the listeners themselves don't share with other people who might get interested. Yeah, and if you're like Darlene and sometimes you lose your focus, I would just encourage you to do what Darlene did. She signed up for the World Prayer Team, and you notice she goes into work, and she starts going through her email, and (laughs) boom, what's there? The World Prayer Team email, and it helps her to refocus on what's really important. It's so quick to go through. I'm sure your boss wouldn't mind if you got that in your your business email box, but if you have personal, it's probably a better way to go. (laughs) Anyway, I know I wouldn't mind because she's praying for her coworkers. that's right. So with that, Greg, why don't you pray for us as we begin our study? Father, we rejoice in the way that you work in our lives. Thank you for the uniqueness of each person and the calling that we have and the way that your word and the the Lord Jesus Christ bring us together. We thank you and pray that you would open our hearts and minds as we study in Jesus' name. Amen. Now here's our study in 1 Corinthians 12 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, friends, we come today to the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, and we've come now to a new section, and it's concerning spiritual gifts. That's from 12 through 14. And we have here in chapter 12 the endowment of gifts. In chapter 13, the energy of gifts. And in chapter 14, the exercise of gifts. Now, He's going to use the human body as the classic illustration of this. We've come actually to a major division in 1 Corinthians. You will not discover it in my notes for the very simple reason that I have a different ladder on which I've divided the book. But fundamentally and basically... 1 Corinthians divides itself into two major divisions. The first section has to do with carnalities, and the second section has to do with spiritualities. Now, we want to see that, so we come here in this first section now. The gifts are given to maintain unity in diversity. Now, that's in 12th chapter, the first 11 verses. I'm reading verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. Now, if you'll notice in your text that the word gifts is in italics, that means that it actually is not in the original. That was added for the sake of clarity. But very frankly, I don't think that putting spiritual gifts here really clarifies anything. It rather confuses. And you will notice that the Revised Standard Version, which we don't always recognize, we have spiritual gifts there. And in the New English Bible, it's gifts of the Spirit. In the Berkeley translation, it's spiritual endowments. And then you'll find a good note on it in the Schofield Reference Bible. Now, actually, the word in the Greek is pneumakon, spiritualities. And you don't need to supply gifts. And it's in contrast to the carnalities. You will recall back over in the third chapter, Paul said when he was discussing with them the divisions among them and all these other things, he says, and I, brethren could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, 
but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So he's speaking to them in the beginning, answering their questions, and it concerns carnalities, that things that carnal Christians would be interested in. So that what you have in that first section is carnalities. In this second section, beginning here at chapter 12, you have spiritualities. And I feel that Paul is just heaving a sigh of relief when he gets here to chapter 12. And the reason is, Paul was perfectly willing to discuss these other things, but he wanted to talk to them about the spiritualities. Now, the carnalities had to do with their divisions, their wranglings about different persons, about adultery, going to court against brethren, the sex problem, women's dress, men's haircuts, the meal offering, and gluttony at the Lord's Supper and drunkenness. That's all carnalities. But if you'll notice, that's where the church is today. Church is connected with that. But now we come to the spiritualities, and he's going to discuss them. Now, in the first section, it's corrective. Here in this section, it's constructive. And Paul was glad to change the subject. And I think today the church needs to get off of the thing that it seems to be going around a circle in, these things today. The question, you know, is always asked in a very sophisticated manner. We feel like we should tell our young people about sex. You better tell them about the spiritual things, friends. They'll find out about the other, I can assure you that, and the spiritualities. And so we've got today in our churches running a program that keeps young people about four miles away from the Bible. They never get there. It's always hipped on these different things that are popular for the moment, fads, as it were. Now, that is a sign of carnality. Now, when we come to this section, the three subjects, actually, that he'll discuss, one is the unifying spirit, the other is the law of love, and then the resurrection, the triumph that the believer has in the resurrection. Now, the gifts, by the way, just happen to be one of the spiritualities. And so let's move down into this area here and Let's look at this for just a moment or two. Now, we notice here in verse 2, and I'm reading, "...ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away under these dumb idols, even as ye were led." Now, the idols were voiceless. They had no voice at all. They were dumb. And Paul calls them in other places, nothings. Idols are nothings. The idol, Paul said, you remember, relative to things offered to idol, meat offered to idol, why well, he says the idol is nothing. Therefore, it wouldn't make any difference whether the meat had been offered to it or not. But everyone doesn't quite understand that. And back in Psalms 115.5, the psalmist says, speaking of idols, they have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. And uh, Habakkuk in 2.18 says, What profiteth the graven image that the maker thereof hath graven it? 
the molten image and a teacher of lies that the maker of his work trusteth therein to make dumb idols. The very interesting thing is that he's going now to talk about the gifts that the living God gives to believers. Now, will you notice here he states at verse 3, the great truth, it's the absolute verity of the Christian life. And you know what it is? It's the lordship of Jesus. He says here in verse 3, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse. You can't belittle Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. It won't work. And by the same token, he says, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. Oh, he can pronounce the word. He can say Lord. In fact, the Lord Jesus said, you remember that in that day there'd be many that would say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out demons? Why, he said, I didn't even know you. Why? Because it was all on the surface. The Lord Jesus was not the Lord. Now, this is a conviction of the soul. What is the central truth of the Christian faith? There are those that say, why, it's the cross of Christ. I want to say that I rather disagree with that. You come to the cross to be saved. But you don't stay there. You don't hang around an empty cross. You have to do then with the living Christ. And that is the thing that I think that is all important. The thing that Simon Peter said on the day of Pentecost, and he concluded his message with this tremendous statement, and this is it. Verse 36 of Acts 2, Therefore... Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. He's the Lord. And it's the sovereignty of Jesus Christ today. That's the important thing in the Christian life. Now, the Holy Spirit commands the soul's obedience and allegiance to Jesus. And the church is made up of those who are gathered around that truth as interpreted by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit interprets the lordship of Jesus to my life. And this is the great section on the church, by the way, that we're dealing with right now. And yet there have been so many tangents that people have gone off on. Somebody says, well, I thought Ephesians was the great epistle. Well, it is, but Paul now is moving into spiritualities here. And the great question always that he asks, whom say ye that I am? Right now, wherever you are, you may be that plumber way down in Georgia. You may be in that truck. You may be a truck driver. You may be in an office. You may be in your home. You may be an executive. Like up in San Francisco, this man, that when he tapes it so that if he's not able to hear it during the day, at night, it's his devotion. Now, whoever you are, wherever you are, and however you are, and whenever you are, whom say ye 
that I am? That's the question Jesus is asking you and he's asking me. Simon Peter, speaking for that group, says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the anointed one. You are the King. You are the Lord. That's it. Now, no man is fit to serve Christ's church who's not been mastered by Jesus Christ. Now, we've seen that before in this epistle. Back in the carnalities, he emphasizes that. Now he emphasizes that again. Now you have the unifying work of the Holy Spirit today in the church, and it's to reveal the lordship of Jesus to believers. Now, will you notice how he does that? Verse 4, now there are diversities of gifts. That is, there are distributions of gifts. Now, in order to get the unity why he gives different gifts to individuals. And here, the word gifts is the charismaton. And today, this movement of tongues has come up among the intelligentsia and the sophisticates today, and they call it the charismatic movement. May I say that that reveals a terrible ignorance. Charismaton means gifts. It doesn't refer to tongues definitely at all. It refers to all the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the church, to the believers in the church. Now, there are distributions of gifts, but it's the same Spirit that does it. And there are differences of ministrations, but the same Lord. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is ministration. It doesn't make any difference about what gift you may have. The Lord Jesus is the one that is using it and using it for his glory, by the way. Now, will you notice here the next thing he says, and there are diversities of operations, that is, of the energy, but it's the same God which worketh in all. And he is the one that works in the believer. And now that brings me to notice this. One God, but he's a trinity, but they work together. There's a unity. There is a diversity in unity. Well, you notice this. The Holy Spirit bestows the gifts. The Lord Jesus Christ as ministers the gifts under his direction. And the Father, God, supplies the power and he energizes the gift. And all of this is for one purpose, and that is to exalt the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, I recognize that I'm moving in an area where these today that have emphasized this chapter and chapter 14 just haven't moved at all, and I wish they would. Now, will you notice, he says here, verse 7, "...but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all." Now, I first of all would like to define a gift. What is a gift? Well, it's a capacity for service. It's a function. And if I may now give the definition of another, here is the definition of a gift. A gift, in the spiritual sense, means the Holy Spirit doing a particular service through the believer and using the believer to do it. And 
I would like to add to that, that it must be done in the power of the Spirit of God. I'm nothing. I have nothing. I am no use to God or man. And that's a fact. That's not a pious platitude. But he gave me a gift, and I'm to exercise that gift. And that is, I believe, the only way that the Spirit of God will manifest himself in my life. And I think that we need to recognize that today. It's important. What is the definition now of a gift? Listen to the Word of God, verse 7 again. But the manifestation of the Spirit, that's what a gift is. It is a manifestation of the Spirit. Now, it does not mean necessarily the exercise of a natural gift. This man has a gift of singing or this woman, and she has a marvelous voice, and she sings. But if she doesn't sing in the power of the Holy Spirit, may I say that God can't use it and doesn't use it. Now, that's the reason that today music in the church has reached such a low level, is simply because you've got musicians that think all you need is talent, that is, the ability to sing and read music. And if you can do that, You've just got it made, and the Lord can't get along without you. He'll get along without you. He doesn't need that. And I've been in this long enough. I've been all the way across this country in many, many places, ministered many places. And I can tell, I've learned over the years, I can tell when a musician is really adding to the service or detracting from it. And I've actually had a solo that right before the message, it's absolutely ruined the message. It shut the message down before I even stood on my feet. fact of the matter is, I felt like getting up and pronouncing the benediction and going home. May I say to you, unless it's the exercise of the Holy Spirit through the believer, it's nothing. The talent is worth something, of course. And I think the Holy Spirit uses the natural ability of a believer. That is, if the believer let him do it. Now, there are those that have no particular natural gift. They can't sing. They can't speak. I've heard many people say, well, I can't do anything. And a great many people think, well, just because I can't sing, because I can't teach a Sunday school class or I can't preach, then there's nothing for me to do but sit in the pew. And that has been the most tragic mistake the church has made is to say, go sit in the pew and listen to me. That is tragic indeed. Now I'm going to make another very startling statement here from this verse, and that is every believer has a gift. Every believer. You have a gift. And we're going to see next time this is likened unto the body. And there are many members in the body. So there are many gifts. You have a gift. Listen to this. Verse 7 again, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man, every Christian man. And the word man is the generic term. Anthropos means man or woman, boy or girl. Doesn't make any difference who you are. If you're a child of God, you have a gift. You've been put in the body of believers as a member of the body and to function as a member of the body of Christ. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. What's the purpose of the gift? It's to build up the church. It is to build up the body of believers. It's not to be exercised selfishly. 
but it's to build up the body of believers. This is a tremendous verse, you see, that we're looking at here. Now, he's going to name here some of the gifts. We'll see next time, not all of them, because you'll find them elsewhere also. And he's going to say later on, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. We are members of the body of Christ. We are in Christ. Now, since we're in Christ, we are a member of that body. We're to function as a member of that body. The most thrilling thing in the world for a young person, a young Christian, is to find out what his gift is and to exercise that in the church. In fact, it's the most thrilling thing for any believer. We leave off there today. We'll pick up right there next time, my beloved. May God richly bless you. For more on the gifts that God gives us through His Spirit, you can download Dr. McGee's free digital booklet, Gifts of the Spirit, at ttb.org. Or you can call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE if we can help you find it. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'll meet you back here next time as the Bible bus rolls along. And God bless you today as you walk with Him in His Word. grateful for the faithful and generous support of Through the Bible's partners, whom God uses to take the whole word to the whole world.